Today we will be singing song number 71, As the Deer. Song number 71. As the deer pants for the water on my soul, long after you, you all upon my heart, desire and I long to worship you. Please pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you've given us. Thank you for letting us come to church this Sunday night and gather and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll be singing song number 903-903, There is Power in the Blood. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you worry for victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the land there is power power wonder working power in the precious blood of the land would you be wise for Jesus your king there's power in the blood power in the blood would you daily his praises to sing there's wonderful power in the blood there is power power wonder working power in the blood of the land 
pow, pow, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. We will uh, be reading a scripture of 1 Timothy 4, verse 11 through 16. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because of you do not, you will save both yourself and your hearers. We will be singing number 589, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms, 589, and we will sing the first and third verse. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arm. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning, leaning. Safe and secure from all alarm, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. We will be singing song number 988, 988. I'll be listening. We'll be singing the first and the third verses. When the Savior calls, I will answer. When he calls for me, I will hear. When the Savior calls, I will answer. I'll be somewhere listening for my name. I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening for my name. I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening. I'll be somewhere listening for my name. If my robe is 
is why when he calls me if my robe is white i will hear if my robe is white when he calls me i'll be somewhere listening for my name i'll be somewhere listening i'll be somewhere listening i'll be somewhere listening for my name i'll be somewhere listening i'll be somewhere listening i'll be somewhere listening for my name please stand for the scripture reading and the song to follow Today, I will be reading from 1 Corinthians 11, 23-27. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, he will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. We'll be singing song number 588, I mean 528, sorry, 528. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that my Redeemer lives and ever prays for me. I know eternal life He gives from sin to sorrow free. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives I know, I know, eternal life He gives. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. That over yonder stands a place prepared for me. I know that the hands most wonderful to see. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know, I know eternal life He gives. I know, I know. Number 800. 800. Zero, zero. We'll be singing the first and the third verse. <clears throat> mm -hmm. 
What a friend we have in Jesus All our sins and griefs to bear What a privilege to carry Everything to God in prayer Oh peace we often forfeit oh what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge, take it to the Lord in prayer. Do Thy friends, these spies, forsake thee. Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou will find a solace there. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house, but Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled the fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat amongst them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him, but he denied her, saying, Woman, I do not know him. After a little while, another saw him and said, You are also one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow was also with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the words of the Lord, and how he said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Imagine you're Peter in this situation. You knew what Jesus prophesied, and you did exactly as he said, even in his presence. You're sad, and you feel like you've betrayed God. We've all been in situations like this. Our parents warn us about doing something wrong, but we disregard it and do it anyways. At the last moment, you remember what your parents said and it makes you feel remorseful and ashamed. As Proverbs 22.1 reads, a good name is more desirable than great riches. Peter must have felt the same way. But look at the words here. Then Peter remembered the words of the Lord. Peter forgot what the Lord had said. That means everything's good, right? Peter's off the hook and the passage doesn't matter. No, of course not. 
Peter even leaves and weeps bitterly because of this. If I were him, I wouldn't feel worthy enough to see Jesus after his resurrection. But Peter did see Jesus after his resurrection when Peter was restored on the, on the beach shore in John 21. It reads, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter's heart must have crumbled at this moment. Jesus trusted Peter a lot, and when Peter had let him down, it must have hurt both Jesus and Peter. Jesus even trusted him enough to let him establish the church in Acts 2.38, the church that will become Christ's bride. That's why this passage matters, to show that Jesus' apostles weren't perfect, but they'd later on do great, go on to do great things to help people like us get to heaven. Also, take a look at Paul. Paul wrote 13 out of 27 books of the New Testament. That's just under half of the New Testament. Paul also appointed elders and deacons in many congregations. More importantly, though, he helped Christians better understand the bread and the cup that should be taken weekly in 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26 reads, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. This is where we get the Lord's Supper we take every Sunday. This is also a part of our daily worship routine on Sunday. One of the ways I think of the church on our spiritual journey is as a gas station. We go there when we have trouble, we get what we need to survive for the journey ahead, but we need to go back regularly to get gas and continue on for the journey ahead. The church is the same way. We stop there every Sunday to worship, to help us for the week ahead, and to have a reminder of what Christ did for us. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 11.28, just a verse down from where we were. It reads, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat the bread and drink of the cup. We need to remember Christ's teachings and what he did for us on the cross. We also need to remember we're not perfect, just as Peter was when he denied Jesus. We need to continually examine ourselves through Christ's eyes to grow to what Jesus would have wanted us to be. All right. Uh, I know Spencer doesn't like the word awesome being used, but I think we can all agree that what's happened tonight is pretty awesome. I think it's pretty great, and I, I think it's the most encouraging thing in the world to see our young people seeing a need in this church and knowing that it depends on them and, and them 
stepping up and doing such an awesome job. And so I really want to commend them with their, their work uh, and, and everything that they put into to leading this worship tonight. And I just, I just think, guys, I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, so I was in third grade, and this is something, it's one of those things that happens to you and you remember it forever. This shouldn't have been something that I remembered, but it was. I was in third grade. I got so upset with this guy. We were playing football, and I'll even tell you his name. His name was Paul Boltz. Oh, Paul Boltz, ruining everything. And Paul Boltz said this to me. I was playing football, and I had just scored a touchdown, and he looked at me, and he said, well, it's because my back's hurt. And I said, well, why is your back hurt? It's not really hurt. And he goes, I just gave your mom a piggyback ride. And I did some uncalled for things to this poor boy, uh, and I regret them to this day. And I'll tell you, I had kind of forgotten about this whole story, and I'd forgotten about everything that I did until I was 22, 23 years old. I was just graduating uh, from Freed Hardeman, and I was starting my first youth ministry job. And I was on Facebook, and I was adding all these people that had just popped up all of a sudden, and I was adding the new people that I'd met at church. And up pops this name, Paul Boltz. And I just got this mean look on my face, and I was like, man, I cannot stand that Paul Boltz. And then I was like, well, what did he ever do to me? <laughs> I don't remember what he even did to me. And so I had this feeling of just, just hatred, really, toward this guy that I, had, I hadn't talked to since third grade. And then I messaged him, and I kind of made things a little bit better. I, I said something to him, and I said, you know, I've had this anger and this hatred towards you in my heart because you told me it, it was really just one of those jokes that kids tell but I took it to heart, and I just could not stand this kid. And so I'm going to start out, and I'm going to ask you, and I'd like for you to respond. Just raise your hand. I'm going to ask you the question, how many of you have enemies? Okay, how many of you have enemies? Okay, I think we all have enemies. You know, we've got these big enemies that we think about. Most of the time, whenever I read the Bible, uh, and I read this scripture that we're about to talk about, I think of these enemies being like ISIS, Okay, yeah, there, there are enemies. Sorry, I had to fix the mic there. Uh, there are enemies, sure. You know, that's, the, that's what I like to do when I read this stuff. I like to make it a little easy on myself, and so I'll say something like, well, ISIS is my enemy, so uh, we need to pray for our enemies. And I'm like, well, I'll, I'll pray and say, I hope that they find Jesus, and I hope that they find peace, and, and that this doesn't happen anymore. But what we're going to talk about tonight isn't going to be those big groups of people that are kind of foreign to us, and we can just kind of throw them all into a big group and say, I've prayed for my enemies, and move along. What we're going to talk about is the person that's your Paul Bolts. That person, when it's, we're talking about your enemy, it's that name that pops up in your head, and, and you just get that sour feeling toward that person or those people. Those are the people that we're going to talk about tonight. Those people who... They're just rude, or maybe they're dishonest, or in some cases, maybe they're just annoying. Whatever the case may be, I want you to think about that person. Maybe it's somebody that tries to mess you up at work, and their whole purpose, it feels like, is to make you fall and make you mess up. It's a, maybe that person that you heard talking about you behind your back 10 years ago, and you haven't talked to them since. Maybe it's the person that's tried to hurt you or hurt your family. Maybe it's the person that mistreated you however long ago. Those are the people that we're going to talk about tonight. 
Because those people are real. Those are people that we interact with maybe on a daily basis. Those are people that we talk to maybe on a daily basis or that we see in the church building on a regular basis. Because you see, when, we, when I like to think that I'm saying I'm praying for my enemies and I'm praying for you know, the, the, the world affairs and the things that are going on, I hope all the people uh, that are enemies of God, they become Christians and they become followers and they get their lives straight. That's the kind of stuff I like to do because it doesn't really take a lot from me to make things straight, to make things acceptable to God. And so I'm not going to be talking about ISIS and I'm not talking about North Korea. I'm talking about that person that's your Paul Bolts. That person that is your enemy, whether they know it or not, you just cannot stand that person. You do not like that person. And they are always mean. They're always mistreating you. And they're always going to be negative or toxic to you in some way. So as we go through, keep that person in mind. And if you will, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. Now, with this new perspective, we've, we've all read this, but with this new perspective, and I know that this is the way that it affected me, I completely read this and understood it in a completely different way than what I had ever understood it before because of this new perspective, this new way that I was looking at it. So let's, let's read through this. It says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you could, only, if you could greet only your own people, what are you doing more than anybody else? Do pray, do pray for, your enemy, for their enemies to stop treating you and others terribly, but pray for growth. Hold on just a second. <clears throat> this, this last part says, Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I got a little confused there with my notes. When we think of rain... What do we tend to think about? Whenever I think of this story, I think when he talks about he brings rain on the righteous and the unrighteous, I'm thinking, I do not like rain. And I know y'all are thinking, then why did you move to Arkansas? <laughs> the last few months have been covered with rain. When I was in Alabama and Tennessee, they had this thing that was called a drought. I don't know if many of y'all have heard of droughts. Uh, but in Alabama, this was a common thing. There would be a drought, and y'all may, I, it may, I just came to the right time where y'all got a lot of rain, I don't know, but where I came from, we had droughts pretty commonly. Uh, it was a pretty common thing for them to send out this public service announcement and all the TVs and all the channels, and they would also send out emails if you're subscribed to the mailing list, and they would say, hey, there's a drought, it has started at 6 p.m. on Friday, and it's going to last until this time. And you can only use up to this many gallons in your house, and if you, if you pass over that, we're going to charge you double for the amount of water. And then once you reach another point, they charge you triple for that amount of water, and then quadruple, and it just kept compounding on top of each other. And so this idea of rain, I liked it when it rained in Alabama, and my, well, I don't know if necessarily me, but my mom and dad liked it when it rained in Alabama because 
it meant that they were going to have water to drink and they were going to be able to take baths and showers. And we even ran into this when I was in West Tennessee for a little while. They had some droughts and we were put on these little probation situations where we were only allowed to use so much water. And farmers, I'm sure y'all know what it's like to go through a drought if there are any farmers in here. I'm sure you know how difficult it is to get your plants watered in a drought and how thankful you are when the sun's been out for two months straight and you haven't seen a drop of rain and your plants are starting to wilt and they're starting to die and that raindrop hits your head, you're grateful. You're thankful. And if, and if, if nobody else knows this, then the farmers do and they know that rain doesn't just mean terrible, horrible things are happening. It also means growth. When you have sun coming down and you have rain, photosynthesis happens. It's a, it's a thing that happens with plants, and they begin to grow, and they begin to blossom, and we begin to see plants become, coming up out of the earth, and we see this stuff. And so when, we, when they heard this idea of sun and rain, I'm not so sure that they heard the idea and thought it makes the good and bad. That might have been some of them, that, the way that they took it. But what I'm seeing is he makes the righteous grow and he makes the unrighteous grow. And we don't like that thought because we feel like if it's just, we, just the righteous should be growing, not the unrighteous, because, well, the unrighteous don't deserve it. But how many of us know unrighteous people who are doing really well in this life? How many unrighteous people do we know that are doing better than we are in this life? He makes this happen, this growth happen, because without sunshine and rain, there is no growth. So let's go back and read that verse 45. And it says that you may be children of your Father in heaven who causes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God calls us to pray for our enemies. But not to just pray for our enemies, but to stop being so mean and, tr and stop treating people so terribly. It doesn't only mean to pray they find God and that they give their life to him. It also means to go even deeper than just that. Jesus is trying to tell his audience to not only pray for their enemies to find him, to not only pray for the enemies to stop treating you and others terribly, but to pray for growth. God blesses the righteous and the unrighteous. God allows growth for both. He blesses his creation, whether they are righteous or they're not. He wants growth for his creation. So what does this look like exactly? When we're talking about growth and, and how we should be praying for our enemies, what does it look like to pray for our enemies in the sense that I'm talking? As I said before, think of that enemy. You're Paul Bolts. The person that you just, every time you see him, you get that sour feeling in your stomach. That one person that you don't like for whatever reason it is. Pray for growth in that person's life. Pray for blessings. Pray for your enemies. Let your prayers not be full of things such as, I hope he or she gets what's coming to him. Or pray that she's knocked down a peg. But rather, pray that he or she gets closer to their family. Pray that his or her spouse understands him or her better. Pray that their kids are healthy and that they're raised in a good atmosphere and in a good home. Pray that their family is blessed with more than they have. 
pray that, get, that they find God, and if they have already, then I pray that they get a closer and steadier relationship with their God. Pray that their child gets into the college that they want in. Pray that they get the raise that maybe you feel like you deserve more. Pray that they get the pro- for that promotion that they feel they need. Let that be your prayer. Don't just wish for their good fortune and uh, that they would just find Jesus and, and stop mistreating others, but pray for their well-being. Pray that they would open the door that Jesus is patiently knocking at and pray for good health. Pray for better lives for those people that you consider your enemies. Now, I know this is a little bit different. This is kind of a crazy concept. When Jesus said this, his disciples thought he was kind of crazy too. So Jesus goes on to say that everyone will love and pray for those that your family and friends. Everybody understands that. We can pray for our family and friends, and we do every day. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to be praying for the people that just stole from your house. You need to be praying for the people that are hurting you in some way. Don't just pray that they find Jesus. That's great. But you need to be praying that their lives are filled with great things and that their cup runs over, that they're covered in blessings. Now, I'm going to give you all some homework before we dismiss. Uh, I know that some of you all haven't had homework in a little while, but we're going to get some homework. Get, get out a pen and a paper. You don't have to, but if you're a good remember, you don't have to. But get out a pen and paper. And I want to just say, anytime, this is your homework for this week, anytime that you pray, doesn't matter when it is, anytime you pray, I want you to pray for that person. Pray for that one person that came to your mind when I said the word enemy. That person that's been on your mind this whole night. Pray for that person. But don't just pray for that person. Pray for that person's children. When you see them next time, inquire them about their ambitions. Find out what their goals and their dreams are. Try to understand what they want to achieve. And when you find those things out, pray for those things. Pray that their daughter gets that scholarship that she's been working for. Pray for their sick child or their sick grandchild. Pray for blessings in their marriage and their family and pray that they're blessed beyond measure. Pray for growth. Pray that they grow and they become a disciple of Christ. Pray that their goals and those dreams and ambitions that you inquired about, pray that those things are successful and become something. But don't just stop there. If you're praying for them and you're wanting that to happen with them, then you need to be actively helping make those dreams possible. Pray for those opportunities. Pray for chances of showing your enemy those blessings Do things for them without them asking. Help them accomplish whatever it is that they're working on. Pray for blessings on them and that they are blessed forever. And again, I'm only asking for a week. Any time that you pray, seven days, only time that you pray, remember your enemy. Pray for your enemy. And I can stand up here and say that I've done this before. I've done this where I had an enemy, I prayed for that enemy, and before it was all over with, the reason I said that you need to start actively trying to do something for that enemy is because you feel like you need to, because that person doesn't seem like an enemy anymore. Once you've prayed for somebody and you truly want good things and good intentions toward that family or that person, they don't really seem so bad anymore. Sure, they may say some bad things to you, but 
If you truly want what's best for them, they're no longer an enemy. You stop seeing that person as an enemy and rather see as a, that as a person who is struggling through this life without the person that you lean on and depend on when you need something. Because see, we have it a little easier than those people who aren't in Christ. Because we know that we have a Savior who loves us, who died for us, and who would literally do anything for us. We know that, but they don't. They don't know that. Your enemy soon becomes your friend. You'll find that you are asking about her kids and her family, not because I gave you homework, because you genuinely care. You find that you're legitimately interested in how they're doing. And, and the, hey, how are you today, is more like, hey, how are things going on with your wife? I know that y'all are having some struggles. What's going on? How, how can I help? What can I do? Do you need any financial help? Is there any way that I can help this situation? And you'll find that that person that was once your enemy becomes your friend. For just a week from today, that enemy that you're thinking of right now, that enemy, pray for that enemy any time that you pray. Pray for their goals, their ambitions, whatever it is that you can think of. Pray for that person over and over again. Now, before we dismiss, I have some scripture I'm going to read to you. This is 1 Peter 3, verses 9 through 17. And then we'll have a prayer after this. 1 Peter 3, verses 9 through 17. It says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for, those, for to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the, on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake... You will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing anything. Let's pray. God, at this time, we, we ask that you be with our enemies. God, those enemies that, that just drive us crazy, those people that have mistreated us, those people that have stolen from us, those people that have harmed our family and friends, God, we pray for those people. We pray that they find you. We pray for them blessings on blessings. And we pray for them that, that whatever problems they're experiencing and whatever they're going through, that those problems cease to exist. That those things that they're going through and they're experiencing are no longer. God, please be with our enemies. Let them grow in a way that, that they don't know. And God, help us to always be a part of that. Help us to encourage 
our enemies, to support our enemies, and even to help our enemies any chance that we get. And God, we pray for opportunities to do that. We're so grateful for all that you've done for us, and, and we know that we would be an enemy to you if it wasn't for your son. And we're so grateful for him. We're grateful for his sacrifice. We're grateful for the life that he lived. And God, we're grateful for this avenue of prayer that we have and how he makes this possible. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have any need tonight to respond uh, to the invitation, please come forward as we sing number 470. 470. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How he gave his life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about his groaning Of his precious blood's atoning then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Oh, victory. Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. Plunge me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory. And I heard about the street of gold beyond the crystal sea. About the angels singing and the old redemption story, and some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. Oh, victory, Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me and I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing if you haven't taken the Lord's Supper yet, it's been prepared for you in the back. Just go behind those doors and turn right, and someone will be there to assist you. Our closing song will be number 882, No Tears in Heaven, 882, and we will sing the first and third verse.
No tears in heaven, no sorrows given, all will be glory in that land. There'll be no sadness, all will be gladness, and we shall join that happy band. No tears, no tears, no tears up there. Sorrow and pain will all have flown. No tears, no tears, no tears up there. No tears in heaven will be known. Some morning yonder will cease to ponder o'er things this life has brought to view. All will be clearer, say once be dearer, in heaven where all will be made new. No tears, no tears, no tears up there, sorrow and pain will all have flown. No tears, no tears, no tears up there, no tears in heaven will be known. We'll now be led in our closing prayer. I'd like to recognize somebody who uh, we partially helped go to Haiti on mission work, uh, and it's uh, Garrett and Caitlin and Inman. Would y'all wave your hand back there? I don't know how many folks know them. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they went to Haiti with some uh, folks from Crows Ridge College, and uh, we know that Haiti is a place that has, I mean, they are a really, really poor place. But they went down and helped them physically and spiritually, and we want to uh, thank them for doing that. And... Uh, uh, bless them and and they, they bless us with, with their work. Thank you Let's pray dear God thank you for just letting us all come out here safely tonight to worship you And be with all these great kids as they are just being taught to serve you and to lead others to you and Be with them as they go to the convention next weekend and that they can perform to their best ability and give them a safe trip there and home and be with us all as we go throughout this week. God, guard and protect us just as we live, trying to serve you and bring others to you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.